So, Justin, yes. sing me your favorite song from Frozen 2. <laughs> My favorite song from Frozen 2? Man, that one that was like... Those songs you only heard once. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, you would pick songs I've only heard once. Uh, man, the, the, there were two in particular I liked, though. The one that Anna sung about doing the next right thing, I don't remember any lyrics to it, but I did like it. That was really emotional. And I like that one, uh, the one that tried to be let it go in this movie, but it just wasn't quite there. That into, into the, the unknown. unknown, that one. Yep, that was oh, their, tr- that was their yeah. trying to be let it go. And yeah. you're right, it, it is not let it go. But nope. that might not be a bad thing. Let's, we'll, we'll talk about it. Let's start the episode. Oh, I say that and I'm not ready for it. Let's try that again and let's start the episode. Cinefans and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling and I am joined mostly as always by Justin. It's just us two tonight. We will be reviewing, if you could not guess, Frozen 2. We will be talking about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between. And this should be highly expected considering how we ended the Rambo podcast that we would be definitely doing Frozen 2. So Justin, what'd you like about Frozen 2? All right, Frozen 2. Well, there is definitely a lot to like about this movie. I mean, first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how gorgeous this looked. Like, the film, there were definitely moments that were just spectacular. Like, really just spectacular visuals. There was definitely an improvement over the first Frozen film. Like, I mean, it's not like I had a side-by-side comparison there, but I could just tell from the opening credits to just... The way that you could see the freckles and details on certain characters' faces and just ju- just such an attention to detail on the landscapes and, where, and the places that we were. I mean, this was really just a joy to behold. And I'm pretty sure that many of uh, the Cine fans out there have seen the Frozen 2 preview or any one of number of the teasers or previews where... You, you saw Elsa and she seemed to be battling something um, that, that was something was kind of holding her back on the sea. And she's keeps trying to go out there. She's using her ice powers and the, and the waves keep throwing her back onto the beach and she's trying to do something in the sea. Well, man, that scene like there were just times where the water just looks so perfect and it just looked amazing and and in that scene you find out that actually she's trying to tame this water spirit because there are all these elemental spirits that are part of the story uh not to talk too much about it but that's actually what she we find out she's doing in the scene but boy did that scene just look visually spectacular uh another thing that stood out to me was there were these kind of earth monsters or these earth giants in the film and just then when they would walk you could almost see every detail in the in the in the in the earth and the mountains that they were made of and you could just see rocks falling off of them uh as they would move and just the way the plants was growing off of them like i mean there are just some 
spectacular, spectacular visuals in this movie. So my hat is off to them. And I know that normally when we talk about spectacular animated visuals, we come back to things like How to Train Your Dragon and Toy Story 4. And we talk about those movies and say, well, which one looks best? How does this stack up to those? I, I'd be interested to know what you think. I don't think that this is quite up to How to Train Your Dragon and Toy Story 4. Though it has its moments where I think it's right there with them, I don't believe it's as consistent visually as those. Though it's very close, I would put this underneath those two films. Uh, but But that's all I'll say about the visuals. Anyway, if you take anything away from that, it looks great. That's what you can take away from it. And I mean, what can I say about the two sisters in this? I just love these two sisters. Anna and Elsa are always just a fun. They're fun to listen to. They're fun to watch. And I love their interactions and the voice work that Itna Menzel and Kristen Bell do as Anna and Elsa is just great. Like, like they, they really come off as these, as these sisters with a warm relationship. And that's really what got us on board in the first Frozen. And, and a lot of that is what it carries this movie. The scenes where they're together, the scenes where they get to talk and express worry, or one of them is trying to convince the other, Anna trying to convince Elsa, look, please let me help. Please let me come with you. I'm your sister. I love you. I want to help you. All of that, when they speak to each other and just the animation that they were able to get out the facials and of those two characters, those scenes really do just come off as genuine. It really feels like two sisters that care about each other. And you feel that. I, and I think that really is the crux of Frozen is those two together. And that's, to me, where a lot of the movie shines the most. And of course, you've got Olaf and Kristoff returning here and Josh Gad as Olaf and Jonathan Groff as Kristoff. They do a respectable job, you know. I, I'm, I'm. They're not characters that I love or anything like that, but they showed up here too. You know, the the voice work is pretty solid uh, throughout. Uh, Sterling K. Brown as that lieutenant that was part of uh, some of the uh, uh, people, the the army, or I guess the soldiers of the knights, if you will. Um, from Elsa's kingdom that had gotten stuck in this uh, forest, in this mist, in this forest because of other events that we've uh, that unfold later on in the movie. I really liked him. I thought he had some good lines and I thought he did well as this lieutenant with a big heart and he cared about uh, the royal family and things like that. So I, I appreciated him as well. I thought that he was another voice uh, actor that stood out. Um, and, uh, and and like we kind of alluded to at the beginning of this episode, not every song to, uh, hit the the I guess the epicness hit the 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 had the impact. I guess you could say not every song had the impact of the songs of the first film. I will have to say that, but there are a lot of good ones here. Um, like I talked about, there was a song with, with Anna where 
um, we're, we're sort of going into the third act of the film and it looks like Hope is lost. She doesn't know where her sister is, but she gets this inkling that something has happened to her uh, because uh, her and Olaf kind of have a little heart to heart and Olaf fades away realizing something has happened to Elsa and Anna sings this song about picking yourself up and doing the next right thing and I've got to move on and I've got to make the right decisions. I really like that song and I like, and I like that little quote, do the next right thing. And when, when life, when you don't have any direction and you don't know what to do. So that, that song was very strong. And then the song that we kind of alluded to also into the unknown, it was a very good song. I liked a lot of the lyrics. It's pretty catchy. Um, I found myself kind of singing that hook, you know, into the unknown or whatever, but even though it didn't have that impact of, let it go. It still was a very effective song, uh, I thought, overall in the scenes. So, yeah, between and, and I mean, every character just about or at least the bigger characters had songs in this movie. So, um, you know, they, they tried to give every character that and there, there were hits and misses. But I appreciated most of the musical numbers. I'm glad that this didn't go away from that. I'm glad that they didn't come into the second movie and say, well, we're going to do less of that and we're going to try to do something completely different here. I do appreciate them trying uh, to, to stick with that, to stick with the singing and let that really be um, a big part of the storytelling. And it definitely was in this movie. And the last thing I'll say, though, I didn't like everything overall about this plot. And we'll get to dislikes in a second. But I did kind of appreciate, I guess you could say, the effort of this plot. I liked how it started at the beginning and everybody's living happy, but Elsa just still feels like there's something just pulling her. There's something that's not right about everything. Like she still feels incomplete in her life. It feels like maybe she still quite isn't where she belongs, despite everything being happy, despite the kingdom accepting her and everything like that. There just still seems to be this part of her that's out there. So, um, and even though things are functioning well in Arendelle, there's just something calling out there, something she's just not quite satisfied. And I kind of like them, including Elsa's parents and there being this story about uh, Arendelle and, oh, what was the name of like the, I mean, they kind of, they basically were Native Americans, but what was the name of the forest? The, I'm just going to call it the Enchanted Forest. I forget the technical name. I was about to say, that's all I remember yeah, is Enchanted, Enchanted Forest. Enchanted Forest. So yeah, I'll just, well, we'll just stick with that then. But yeah, I liked overall, I liked the sentiment of this story about how you had this Enchanted Forest and basically you had like these Native people that live there and that there was this relationship between them and the kingdom and something went wrong with that relationship and magic was used to kind of separate the two kingdoms. And this story is really about our characters unraveling that mystery and finding out what really happened and why these two places are split, but also trying to find out about the origins of their, um, of Anna and Elsa's mother and father and how 
that came into play and how that ties into the history of the Enchanted Forest and the relationship with their kingdom, Arendelle. So all of that is in there. All of that was intriguing throughout. And then when you get to the um, end of it and you find out about this deal that had been struck and everything like that, I don't feel all of it quite lands but enough of it landed for me to be satisfied with the result. And they found a way to make Anna and Elsa's relationship even important to that. And ultimately, it's their their sisterhood and what they find out is ultimately what bridges the gap between the Enchanted Forest and Arendelle and kind of and almost a a peace is reached with that with, with the magical properties and as well as the people and um i think overall that resolution was satisfying to me um and, and and overall i think that the messages were received i received them in this film and like i said not everything hit but enough notes hit for me to walk out um happy about what i saw so that would definitely be a summation of what i enjoyed about this film i agree with you slightly that none of the songs in this match let it go but that was actually something i liked about this movie uh i actually liked the fact that all the songs in this couldn't be applied universally you know let it go for the most part could be a universal song and isn't something that would strictly need to be in frozen but that wasn't how these songs were in this all the songs in this more or less just fit within the universe of frozen and frozen 2 they really are trying to push into the unknown as the next let it go and it's really not yeah it doesn't it doesn't resonate the same way and i guess that's what i appreciated about it you know you don't have a song in alexander hamilton or in the in the hamilton broadway show that kind of works outside of it no they all are about hamilton or about specific people or specific events they're very tied into the story of the musical and i think that's what i liked so much about the songs in this is that they were all just kind of tied directly into the story and there was one scene and i i can't decide if it was ballsy and incredible or the absolute worst thing they could ever do because at one point christoph is singing with a bunch of reindeer oh yeah and i i don't i I just, I can't, I can't figure out that scene at all. Like I said, it's either the most incredible thing ever and just ballsy and just the biggest risk ever, or it's just downright. Somebody was on fucking acid. It was just <laughs> stupid, but I mean, I give them credit for it. Uh, I, I don't know what your qualms with the story are um, as of right now, but I mean, for the most part, I, I really enjoyed the story of this because I think it furthered, a lot of what you were talking about, like the relationship between the sisters. And at the same time, I think it furthered both of the characters individually also. And that's what I appreciated about it, that both characters, Anna and Elsa, grew as individuals, but their relationship together also grew because a lot of stories have a hard time balancing all that. Either one character is going to get more growth than another or both of them might individually get it and then they just kind of force the growth of their relationship. And I feel like the story in this did a very good job of balancing all th three of those aspects growing. And even also uh, Anna and Kristoff and their relationship with each other. I really, 
I really en- uh, enjoyed those aspects of the story. Uh, I really thought the change of pace they did with Olaf was really great. Whereas in the first movie, he's all nothing but hope and joy and the future is unlimited. And in this movie, he's this weird teen angsty nihilistic. <laughs> yeah. And all existential and shit. <laughs> and it's still, yeah, and it, but it still fit. Like that's what was so great about it is it didn't feel like they just did it for the sake of doing it. It kind of felt like that, you know, like that character who had full sentience from the second he was created, you know, might go through those things in that type of, of manner, because it's not like he even had to learn to then, you know, he already had an idea of what summer was, even though it was naive and he didn't realize that summer would kill him (laughs) in the original, in the first frozen movie, but he still had this sentience and he still had a knowledge about him. And I just like the fact that this movie was kind of like, he was like a teenager at this point. You know, and he's like, nobody understands me and what is life and what is growing old. And like, I really thought that that was a funny aspect of it. And apparently little kids do too, because I don't know about you, but the showing I was in, of course, had a billion little kids in it because it's fucking frozen too. And yeah, no, they were all laughing at all his weird existential bullshit. I, I did appreciate that they were laughing at it. And, you know, they have no clue what the fuck he's actually saying. I was about to say, I, yeah, I had kids in my theater doing the same thing. And you just know all of that shit went over their heads. Like, there's just no way they understood all of that. But they're laughing because the younger adults and grownups are laughing, you know, or or Olaf is funny or or whimsy when he does things. And o- Olaf is funny. So, I mean, that's how you can get away with it. So it, it was smart and cleverly done what they did with him. Well, that and it's just he's talking in a very downtrodden voice that is just so counterintuitive to what Olaf was in the first movie that I think to most kids, he, he was just talking in a funny voice. You know what I mean? It's just him making <laughs> weird voices and stuff like that. And, and it's just it was one of those things I just really, really uh was really intrigued. Like, I really just loved that that spin they put on the character in this. Uh, the elementals. I thought the way they portrayed all the elementals in this was kind of... It was, it was very fun and very interesting how all four elementals were done in completely uh, distinctive ways. You know, yeah. you had the wind spirit Gale, and it was, you know whenever it was, you know, the angry part before she tames it or whatever, it's, you know, creating tornadoes and doing all this other shit. And, but then whenever it's back to its normal self, it's just kind of this like little playful wind spirit. And then the fire one being utterly destructive and all that other stuff. And it's just like this little lizard. And then once it yeah. gets tamed, it actually likes being cold. Like it's always looking for yeah. Elsa or Olaf and it likes being cold like that. You know, because it cools down like the fire and stuff like that. And I, I just thought that was really interesting. And then the water spirit, weirdly enough, being a horse. Yes. At all times. It's weird, but somehow within the context of the, the movie, it works. Yeah. And what a beautiful visual. Like some of the oh, most yeah. beautiful visuals came from that horse. My goodness. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like whenever they did the ice textures on it at the end of it, when she oh, made God, it the frozen sick. horse. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. And. But, like, it's one of those things that if you hear, like, a water horse or you see something like that in another movie or something, you're like, well, that's dumb. Why the fuck is a horse the spirit of water? Um, But, like I said, it just weirdly works in this, and I don't know why. I think it's because, like you said, 
I think it's kind of because, like you said, they didn't give you what you expected from those things. Because like you said, I think that there is a formula to presenting elementals. They're either these big, hulking, God-looking things, and they're all just completely composed of whatever element it is. I normally see that. I mean, that's what I typically picture. Or even when, like, you see them in games or anything like that, normally it's just something some spirit or something that looks sort of has human features, arms and legs, eyes, etc. And they're just composed of whatever element it is. So, but this was different. Like you said, like the wind spirit being kind of just this playful gust of wind or like the fire spirit being this lizard thing. So because they set you up well, when they showed those, you were okay with it by the time you got to a horse. Oh, that makes sense because the fire spirit was a lizard. So, you know, they set us up like that. So they kind of, they, 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 they temperature expectations. I don't know if temperate's the right word, but anyway, they set it up your expectations well because they said, look, we're already giving you kind of different things here. So then when we get to that horse, it's okay because it's within the spirit of everything else, like you said. And I like the fact that the, the the earth one was still those giant elementals like you were talking about. So you still get that familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get that one that was that was familiar. True. And it makes sense that earth is that like it makes sense that the earth is this gigantic rock creatures. Like, I don't know what else earth could be like. It makes yeah. sense <laughs> to have that. And, you know, they do all those things and just the way they portrayed all those. And I like how conquering each one was a little different you know what i mean like it wasn't the same thing like i loved the god of war games but essentially every boss comes down to the same type of thing like you figure out its pattern you beat it up kind of you dodge its shit and then you do the mini games Mm -hmm. and i liked that this one wasn't that like how she took down gale was different than how she took down the little fire lizard or you know and then when she took down the horse like the water horse, it was because of like sheer determination. Yeah. Like she really yeah. John wicked the water spirit. She was just a force of will that yep. she was going to conquer that shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, and I like the fact that they didn't have to directly conquer the, the, the giants, the earth giants. There wasn't some weird battle between her and the earth giants. I actually liked that. Now it would have been cool as fuck to see it. Like her putting up ice barriers and blocking their shit and all this other stuff. But I liked that. To beat the earth spirits was like the overall lesson that needed to be learned. You know what I mean? The overall mission that essentially magic had put on these people to fix everything was how you beat them. Yeah. Almost hinting that they were unbeatable unless you just conquered what the the overall message the magical spirits had. And what, you know, from the very beginning of why they had shut down the enchanted forest and all that. I really appreciated that. Uh and one of the things, too, that I think that I want to just mention specifically that really kind of shows the relationship and everything like that between Elsa and Anna. And I know that's way after I mentioned all that. But um, it's whenever Elsa was fighting the little fire lizard guy. And then, like, Anna rushes in after her and almost gets burned by the fire and all this other stuff. And Elsa's like, don't run into fire. And then Anna just turns it directly back on her. Then, like, then you don't run into fire. Like, you don't want me to put myself in those situations. Don't fucking put yourself in the situations then. Like, that's a very realistic expectation 
especially of like sisters or something like that. Like, don't tell me not to do what you literally just did. Yeah. And expect me to do anything different. Um, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with visuals that you brought up is while it's not as like technically visually pro uh, proficient as say a toy story four or a how to train your dragon uh, three, I don't think it was meant to be because it's still kind of meant to be Disney's modern version of just their regular animation. You know, you're not really, I mean, at least I don't remember anybody like talking about how beauty and the beast looked so much better than little mermaid or something like I'm trying to think of two that were kind of close to each other because yeah, of course they all look better than like sleeping beauty. Yeah. No, you know, that was like the first one. You got a point with that. You got a point with that. You know, and they, they, they still did some beautiful things. Like all the stuff she did tackling the water spirit was amazing. I loved the way they made the fire look magical, having that kind of fuchsia magenta tint to it. Uh, all the stuff that happened in that frozen river area with all the memories and stuff like that, how it was just all the ice effects in that. Oh yeah. That was great. Like I thought, and it was, it, it was a better version of some of the shit we saw in the first movie. Like when you think about her ice castle that she built or when Anna got frozen at the end of frozen, like I liked the fact that this kind of did the same things, but looked better because when she's in that memory temple thing, it was kind of essentially an ice castle and it looked better than the, her ice castle in the first one. Yeah, it did. Or when she got frozen by going too deep into the memories and stuff like that, her freezing effect on herself looked better than when Anna froze at the end of the first movie. And so I liked those direct comparison things uh, with a lot of it. Um, and I just, I did enjoy overall the, the kind of the overall thematic message a lot with this movie. Uh, I really liked that it kind of just took the first movie story and theme and, and moral uh, structure from the first movie and just kind of kept going with it, but not in a way that felt like, oh, they're just retelling the same story, just in a way of showing how those same elements of like your relationships with your family and stuff like that and your relationships with others and your relationship with yourself, how that can mean different things yeah, at different points in your life. Mm -hmm. Like it was the same things, but just showing, like I said, that it, it can mean a different thing. You know, like everybody loved Queen Elsa, but she still at this point didn't feel like she was still herself and or being exactly what she wanted or should be. And she wasn't being true to herself in that way, which is her entire story arc of the fucking first movie. But it was still I loved the fact that it showed that even when you have the love and adoration of, of you know, your subjects because she is royalty and her family and everybody accepted her for who she is and all this other stuff that you can still feel that way and that it's not necessarily a bad thing like it's very weird because i watched this right before i watched uh the miss the, the mr rogers movie and i feel like they're kind of saying the same things in a lot of ways like this movie very much has that mr rogers point of view of it's okay to feel things yeah yeah and it's, it's okay to have your feelings and it just, it matters how you address these feelings and how you act on these feelings is what really matters. But having the feelings themselves isn't necessarily a bad thing or a wrong thing or anything like that. And then when I'm thinking about this movie, I'm like, it's, it's the same thing. Like this movie in the frozen movies in general and all this other stuff very much play the same things like with that same mentality. And I do think that's a great thing. And 
an interesting thing, and I didn't re- I didn't realize this until I read an article about it as a negative against this movie. The article was negative against this movie for this, and I don't think it's a bad thing. This is the first direct sequel to a Disney princess movie that went to theaters. Huh. I didn't even realize that, but that's true. All the all the other sequels have been direct to video. They sure have. This is the first one that went that had a theatrical release on the sequel. And they were talking about how that's destroying the Disney princesses and all this other stuff. And I was just like, well, fuck you, watch the movie. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. I don't feel like it did a disservice to anything by doing that. I thought I, I I mean overall I think this was an incredibly fantastic movie. I thought this did a lot of things that were reminiscent of the first movie, but showed growth, just like the characters and everything like that. And I'll always take that in a sequel. Like you can have some of the same thematic elements and, and, and traits with your characters and all this other stuff, because especially if it's a beloved or original movie, people are going to want to see that. They don't want the characters to be completely different in the sequel because then they might not be what you loved, but you just have to show why you're making a sequel. And this one, I felt like they did a good job of balancing what they wanted in the story to justify it on just the perspective of this is a story that needs to get told in this manner. Because I know why Disney's wanting to make the sequel. They want that money. (laughs) I get that. But I'm talking about from the director's and the writer's points of view. You have to justify why your Frozen 2 story needs to get told in this manner. And I think they did a really good job of doing that in this one. No, that's a that's a very good point. Well, you made a lot of good points, but yeah, the thing that you said that really resonated with me was when you said that uh, in a lot of ways it has similar beats to the first journey, but that journey can repeat diff- at different points in your life. And I think that that was like the key thing that you said there. And that's why this is a good story because yeah, like you said, the first movie was really about her concealing herself from everyone and secluding herself. And there was kind of this journey of, I can't be who I really am around people. I got to be secluded, concealed, don't feel and everything like that. And that was about letting that go, no pun intended, and just kind of, uh, you you know, um, so it was about that. Wait, wait, wait. You you say no pun intended, but that's literally the point of the song, know, let uh, it go. I, guess I mean, I did. you literally said lyrics from it. It might not be a pun intended, but you're literally just saying, hey, remember the song, let it go. That I should have been like, yeah, I intended that shit. No, but like, uh, well, yeah, because that's what the song intended. <laughs> exactly, to. I mean, right? That's yeah, just that the, was point the point. Of it. So so there's that journey. So like, yeah. So by the end of that journey, we we accept Elsa now. The kingdom accepts her. her you know, her, she's closer with her sister now and everything like that. But that's only one part of your life journey, being accepted by your friends, family or society, however you want to picture that. That's one part of a person's journey. But then there is the journey of life purpose and understanding when you don't belong and when you got to be somewhere else and when you got to be doing something or have that sense of purpose um, and finding that that's also a truth in one's life that people are often looking for. And some people never find it. So that's what this was. This was a journey to kind of find your truth. And the crazy thing is, is that 
both of the both of the sisters find that and the other characters do too that they have some resolutions there too but i love how like you said they took that similar journey of acceptance but then but this is more about the self-acceptance when i think the other one was about outward acceptance and trying to get people to accept you for who you are and stuff but this one was about that inner acceptance man that finding that truth finding that that sense of life purpose and that's what they were looking for and it was cool that because even though that is very much an individualistic type of thing like you said they did a great thing here by tying by still being able to show how even uh, your relationship with someone else can still even help that journey, can still even improve that journey, can still be a benefactor in that very in in what feels like it has to be a more of an individualistic journey. So that was all great stuff and, and, and elements of the story. No, exactly. And, and you said it right. It's that the first movie was about the acceptance of you know, trying to gain the acceptance of your family and friends and other people and all this other stuff and just being comfortable enough with yourself to be yourself mm -hmm. to these people and stuff. Whereas this one is being true enough to yourself that you're being, you're being truthful to yourself. Like you, you have to be honest with yourself to gain that self acceptance, mm -hmm. like you said. And I liked, and I really liked the way, like they, they did it. They, the way they did it with Elsa was great, but the way they did it with Anna I think was just so fucking impactful. And it comes down to that song you were talking about with her of essentially she had kind of accepted that her role was just to go wherever Elsa went and to help Elsa and to be with Elsa. And then that aspect of it, that song and in those scenes with that part of it was her accepting that while that can be part of what she does is to be there for Elsa that that can't be all of her and that she's still got to, she's still got to live her own life herself. Her life can't just be following Elsa and helping her. It's she's got to live her own part with that. And I really liked that. And then that whole, Oh, let's go. You know, like, I mean, you knew nothing was going to happen to the kingdom, you know, whenever they were doing the whole knock down the bridge and let's flood this, like you knew they weren't going to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah let's be real i know that there there were kids in there that were like oh fuck that's about to i mean i know kids aren't thinking fuck but you know in their own kiddie way they're thinking oh fuck castle about to be gone but i liked the fact that while you knew this watching the movie i liked that they made it feel like anna didn't know that and that she was accepting that to fix all this that has to happen yeah true atonement for what happened because ultimately it was their kingdom that was responsible for what happened to the uh to the people in the enchanted forest so understanding that and knowing that this is something that has to be done and being willing to do that i mean i guess there's another side of it where you're like uh well is that a decision that you make for everybody else? So there is that aspect of it, but hey, they're they're in charge. I mean, they're in charge, and if anybody's going to make those decisions, it needs to be them. And like you said, we know that the that the village is going to be that the kingdom is going to be saved. So 
some of that, you know, you can temper some of that and understand that what was more important was the lesson learned and that they needed to um, atone for that. They needed to atone for that. They didn't do it, but still that responsibility. You're in charge now. You're 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 the leaders of this kingdom now. And that has to be made right. You know, this magic is here and it's binding because of bad decisions your forefathers made. And now you you have to you have to man up and fix it. So there was something very powerful in that as well, I thought, too. Yeah, but I, I, I like the fact that at least the elementals and their way of warning the people to leave just in case, because the only way to fix this was to destroy the town, was also that they made it almost unlivable, like they jacked up all the stuff. Fire could never be lit there again. Mm. Water left. Like they made it at least unlivable. So if it got destroyed, it was literally yeah, just buildings because all the people had already had to leave, which that's a very convenient thing that all that happened to make them all leave before all this. But of course they're not really going to put an entire kingdom's worth yeah. of lives on the line <laughs> Yeah, in a Disney movie. I get that, <laughs> you know, so that's fine. But I, I just like the fact that I also like the fact that they straight up had it be that their granddad was an asshole. Yeah. And led to all the problems. Like, I like that they didn't shy away from that because I kind of figured with all that they were hinting at that maybe the granddad was an asshole and all this other stuff. I kind of thought that they were going to end up having it actually be some weird misunderstanding that the granddad thought that the that the dam was actually helping and that it was actually just causing problems and they just misunderstood mm. each other and stuff like that. Like I thought it was going to be something like that, which would have been dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad they didn't do that, that they just went straight up and said, Oh no, this person was an asshole and it's up to you to atone for that, which I don't necessarily think that that is the case. Like for everything, like I don't necessarily think that, individuals have to atone for what like asshole ancestors did like specifically like that you know i'm just saying that you know if my granddad murdered five people i don't have to like give them all my money because i my granddad yeah. was an asshole like like figuratively yes i can be sorry for that family that my granddad was an asshole and you know i can do things to help them and and to reconnect and like to you know cause unity there but i'm just saying individuals specifically shouldn't have to atone for those types of things i think maybe society does but that's a, that's a whole other story of shit um but i'm just saying individuals shouldn't have to always carry that burden specifically with that because i mean they never even met their granddad he was long dead before that because his dad got magically whisked away which were you surprised that the mom was one of those magic people um, actually, yeah, I, I was. I mean, well, towards the well, actually, as the story started progressing, I started to think, well, I wonder if the mom has some sort of history because I we because we already knew that Elsa, um, that 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 this curse or these powers or whatever came from some element of magic. So I was wondering like was some sort of deal made or maybe the mom had some sort of magic i didn't know if she was one of those people i didn't figure it out to that end i didn't go oh she's definitely one of the enchanted forest people she's a descendant of them i, I didn't make that connection until they told me but i figured her mom something i figured 
somebody had to have something to do with magic. I figured something, somebody had their hand in some magic somehow. And so it, so even though it was a, it was a surprise in the sense that I didn't know that that was going to happen, but it wasn't as surprising because I figured there had to be some magical elements there, but I didn't guess, oh, she's got to be a part of these people. I didn't guess it like full on. See, I, I was able to get it because of how distinctly different her and Anna's hair color is from everybody else's, eh. you know, and the scene, whenever the dad is telling them the story and it's, you know, back when he was a kid and he gets distracted and starts walking into the forest, the, the little girl there that's playing with the wind spirit has that exact same hair color. Ah, and yeah, I figured that was the mom then. It's just because they did a very good job of just making sure their hair color is just different than everybody's. It's that very distinct, like reddish brown hair that, yeah, I just saw that on the girl. Good continuity. And I just figured it was the mom. Yeah. And it wasn't that big of a deal. I just figured that was the mom. I didn't realize it was going to be like this big mystery or anything like that. I was just like, oh, look, that's their mom. That's how they meet. And then all this crazy shit happened. And they're like, nobody knows how we got out. And I was like, but we just saw how. And then they distinctly show you it again later. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> nope. They tell you right at the beginning. Yeah, they do. Um, But I, I mean, we, we might as well move into dislikes though. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, when you have fire, earth, air, and water as your four elementals, um, ice is not what connects them. Yeah. <laughs> In no world is that the connecting force between all elements. Like, what the fuck does ice connect with air and and fire? You can kind of argue earth because it's, you know, it kind of makes water like earth, like a stone type of situation. I can get that. But what the fuck does it have to do with water or, I mean, with ice and fire? What fuck ice and fire? See, I'm so confused because that part made no sense. <laughs> what does it have to do with wind and fire? Like, how the fuck is it the bridge between those two elements to anything else? Like, I just did not understand that at all and thought that that was kind of dumb. As much as I like this movie and all this other stuff, just being ice can conquer all and ice is what connects magical elements together and is the bridge and all this other stuff. No, it's not. I mean, I know they really tried to sell it because ice was taming all that shit with the exception of the earth giants. And of course, the the river of magical memories was ice at this point or something, I guess like, okay. But I just, they did not have to sit there, especially when they're showing those drawings and shit. And there's like a, a rhombus right in the middle of it. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, it's a little yeah. ice crystal. They're just saying Elsa's what connects yeah, everything. You can see that. Yeah. Like, come the fuck on. You can just say like, fuck it. Have her be an elemental bender or something like that. Have her when she's conquering these things, also then be able to do some fire shit and some wind shit. Fuck it. Do that. If you're going to have it be a connector, have just ice be the catalyst for it all because her magic was separated from everything else. And just have that be the instance. Then don't just sit there and try to force us to thinking that ice is really anything other than fucking water. <laughs> like, come on, you're teaching kids all the wrong shit at that point. Like ice is water. And if you didn't know ice is water, <laughs> And that's the only connection it has to these elements. I mean, 
I like the fact that how she beat these other elements and all this other stuff. I did think that was nice, but let's be real. She's just an extension of the water shit. (laughs) And it shows because the water spirit is the one that like she's best friends with now because of course it is because she's fucking ice. (laughs) That's just water spirit one a and one B like, so that was dumb. That was just so dumb. And I did. I thought that that, that element of the story, I think, did a very big disservice. Yeah, and then and then when you got to the answer, no, you're totally right. That whole fifth element thing was, uh, yeah, that fell flat. And if you didn't know, of course she was the fifth element. Like, of course. That's where they were going with that. And maybe what well, it needed was... I did hold off on that. I did oh. hold off on that. Like, completely believing that was the case. I actually thought it might have been Anna. Really? And that might have been cool. Or if there was some sort of like, maybe like, what if it wasn't an element, but just a, what it needs is, what if, because the whole bridge thing, I love the bridge analogy. What if maybe it wasn't an element, but it was just saying that you need someone to be able to balance all of these things. You need something to... The, the 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 friendship of these two places is what balances them or there's needs to be this human element to you know to keep everything in its proper balance i don't know maybe there was a better way to say that without well, the ice being the element you know what i mean i thought they were going to straight up captain planet that shit heart and it be heart you could have yeah and i thought and i thought it was that's why i kind of thought it was going to be anna because it seemed too obvious yeah. that it was Elsa. Yeah. So I thought that they were going to curveball it a little bit and have it be like love or just humanity or something or kindness, just some other fucking yeah. thing. And it actually be Anna. That would have been cool. And they halfway did that, I guess. Could you argue maybe they halfway did it with the whole bridge thing and it's going to take us both? So they halfway did that. But like you said, it would have been nice if they kind of pseudo did that. But it would have been nice if they had just maybe went all the way with that. And yeah, I think you totally and with this kind of film and how it was and the two characters, we would have bought the whole you need love to bring that all together or to balance it or you need that element of kindness or love or self-sacrifice or whatever it is to bring all of this together. And you could have totally done it that way rather than just the fifth element stuff. Exactly. And I, like I said, we've already accepted it as kids because we all saw Captain Planet. We accept that as a fifth element. And I think that that would have just been a nice thing to just, I think that that would have tied it together a little bit better and kind of would have just made it feel a little bit more unique. Like I said, I felt like the, the aspects of it being Elsa and her ice powers was just too obvious and too forced the entire fucking movie yeah like because it just makes no damn sense whereas like you can accept like love or just or have it be like respect or some just name some fucking positive ass emotion or something like that and it could just be that you know and and that could be just something or like i said it could have been just something hidden in her that wouldn't have come out until this situation or something some bullshit like that we've seen that a million times we can accept that now. Like, it's fine. We've all seen the hero that didn't think they had any powers or any skills or something like that, but at the right time, they gave yeah. them or something. 
there would have just been something like that. And I think it would have really tied everything together a little better. Except, I mean, they kind of did at least a good job at the end with it being that Elsa and Anna's bond allowed for that to be the bridge between the two instead of it being a literal bridge. I mean, so maybe it could, they could still argue that that's ultimately what the fifth element is, is love or something like that, because that's what the bridge is now is them two with each other. But they really just still kept telling yeah, you. Yeah, it was eyes. not presented that way, like you say. Yeah, it was not. <laughs> and that's dumb. It's 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 for as as much as this movie or these movies have done to deal with feeling emotions and acceptance in any way, shape, or form, and all these things, and how they've really handled some very like mature themes and handled them in a very delicate way that kids can understand. It felt like they just kind of shied away from it in this one in that aspect with that one regard of nope it just has to be this has to be straight fucking board and that just it fell so fucking flat yeah but what else i, I know i probably I, I ran off the or is it me am i the one who where are we who's on what dislikes is it just me still i are we on, think, i completely we, fucking forgot just, where we're at now are we just taking turns well i've got one i'll, I'll just go with mine we'll yes see, go we'll yes. see where that lands yes. Okay, uh, well, I was going to talk about the Kristoff song because, man, dude, okay, I I get that you're like, man, it was either great or not. And it's not even so much the song. I think my problem may be kind of the levity. I I I didn't feel that that the song had earned those feelings that he was having. Like, Like, to me... I just thought the whole Kristoff thing just felt it really talk about fell flat. I did not like the, okay, I'm trying to propose and things keep going wrong and stuff like that. And those, I mean, you just seen things like that a hundred times. And it's just like that whole thing of, let me try to propose something happens. Let me try to propose something happens. And then it was weird because whenever we do get to the, to the enchanted forest, and he's like, hey, we're Anna and Elsa. Well, they went to go figure out what's going on with this journey. And he was like, oh, they left. And then it was just like he was sad. And then he was just like, I'm lost in the woods. And he was really sad about this. And I don't know if the scenes prior had earned those. I, I, I just did not feel for him. I just felt like this is not you you're tripping dude like why are you making such a big deal out of this and then it was funny because then when we get to the third act of the movie he just shows up you know like like Anna need is Anna's like oh man I need some help and there he is and he shows up and he's like what do I need to do to help you and we're just back to square one so I don't think that that scene earned his levity at all I wish that I think maybe where they could have fixed it, though, because I was thinking about this. Well, what would you have done better? I try to, you know, I'll try to come up with a solution here. But I think maybe if that song had been about the uncertainty of whether or not he needed to propose, like maybe he was feeling like he wasn't able to really get her attention because she was so worried about Elsa and because they kind of have this bond and this journey and this thing going on and maybe the song should have been like is there any room for me sort of deal because you know sometimes a boyfriend a husband or whatever can feel like that you can feel like 
Is there any room for me? Am I making the right choice? If I do this, what, you know, am I making the right choice to propose? Should I propose? And maybe if the song was more about his uncertainty with that, other than it being about him thinking that he lost her and I'm just lost without you and I need you and you're not here and I just, you know, I almost acted as if she was gone. I just felt like that song was so misplaced. I was lost in the damn woods. I was. So I just have to complain about that. I think when I look at the overall story, that song did not earn its levity. And I don't believe the situation beforehand was dire enough for that type of song. I think it should have been more about the uncertainty to propose since that was kind of that character's journey was the proposal. Well, I do agree with you on the fact that, and maybe that's why I'm so weirdly mixed about that song is that it's about being lost because of your connection with somebody else and you're uncertain about what's going on with it. And then there are fucking reindeer singing in it. And these reindeers have never spoken in the real world. <laughs> like that's never been, that's like, so you take this, you take a song that I think does have a very good message and point to it, especially within the story. And you make a fucking goddamn joke about it. The entire fucking thing. So it's like, what do you take serious with it? Like, you, it's hard to take Kristoff's emotions in that sense seriously because there's a barbershop quartet of fucking reindeer. Okay, maybe that's my problem, too. M maybe just visually what was happening, but what the emotions were. I, maybe that's the, the juxtaposition problem I had with it. Maybe that. Maybe you're right about that. Because I don't think he was questioning his emotions. I, and I don't think he was questioning Anna's emotions. I think he was more or less just worried that no matter how they feel, it might not work out in that way. And I do feel that that was a part of his story with this. And I mean, because I absolutely loved the way that their, I don't want to say their, their story part of it ended with them like getting married and her, you know, her becoming queen, Anna becoming queen. But whenever he says the line, like, my love is not fragile, you know, I thought that was an utterly fucking fantastic line. Like, that's up there in, like, rom-com greatest hits as far as love quotes go. That's right up there with Renee Zellweger sitting there saying, you had me at hello. You know, <laughs> it's up there in that shit. Like, because they have all these troubles and all this other stuff, but when it comes down to it, he's got her back, and all he really cares about is just being there for her when he can and except he accepts the fact that he can't always be there for her you know and he doesn't always even need to be there for her it's just when she does need him he needs to step up and be there and that's absolutely what that character is and you know him coming to that realization that no matter what he will love her and all this other stuff no matter what's going on even if they can't get married for this or that or whatever that he still loves her and that doesn't change I thought that that was that all hit home with how they developed his character and all this, but I completely understand, like you said, with that song, because what the fuck do singing reindeer have to do with that? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? I read something somewhere and they were talking about how it was great because it was like an 80s music video. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's 2019. Who gives a fuck about an 80s music video? 
I'm sorry, Disney. That's some DreamWorks shit. That's right up <laughs> there with them making some fucking American Beauty references in fucking Madagascar. Because they were dated as fuck when they did that. And you're telling me that this was like an 80s music video? Oh, shit from fucking 30, 40 years ago? Fuck off. Like, that does not matter at this point. You don't need to be making references to the style of 80s music videos in a fucking animated kids movie in 2019. <laughs> and fuck, those reindeers were fucking singing. I can't I can't stress that enough, people. Reindeers were singing. <laughs> and I get that, like... And, and the funny thing is, is that I, I, I get what you mean where, like, it kind of straddles that line of great and not great. Because, like, I get that when the reindeers are singing... That is really him imitating yes. the voice of the reindeer because he has a connection with uh with um um what's the name of the reindeer? Oh my god. Sven. Sven, yes. And I can't believe I forgot that because that's a very unique name. Um but yeah, mm-hmm. because of his relationship with Sven, he you know, he that he just talks for them and he pictures and they explain that there was another character that did it also and they had a conversation so i get that aspect of it but that's he just does that is such a dorky voice when he does that oh uh, oh uh, i hate when you talk like this to me you know it's so dorky and then to have it in the song i think maybe it was also audibly just it was so dorky and weird and it just the the emotional levity that it needed your the way it sounded with the dorky reindeer voices and stuff, it just was us. It was just a big clash, like you said. So even well, Justin, though we knew that, it just didn't come through. Yeah. Well, I think you should go listen to the song without the visuals, because I actually don't think it's that bad. Then hmm. I really don't like. I, I haven't listened to the full song, but I've listened at least to like the preview that you can listen to on like iTunes. And I think it does hit fine in that regard. Okay. It's just when you juxtapose it with fucking awful ass camera fades and singing reindeer. (laughs) And he's like walking in a door and he's like walking right out the same door or some shit. Like what the fuck? (laughs) Like, I do think the song hits as a song. Just visually speaking, I don't know what the fuck they were doing. And Because, I mean, I can kind of understand him using the reindeer voice that he does for Sven as just, like, another voice in his head that he's having a conversation with. Since he already does that with Sven, and he has both sides of the conversation, even though it's hinted at that when he does that, he's kind of intuitively knowing what Sven would say anyway. And so I kind of understand that aspect of it as far as the song goes. Yeah, it might be a dorky voice and all this other stuff, but I think it works within the context of the song because it's very much him having an inner dialogue. And I get that. But dude, those fucking reindeer's mouths moved, man. <laughs> like they moved. And you know, <laughs> and, and maybe, okay. And maybe you do have a point there because I'm not going to lie. At the end, when we were waiting for the end credits and everything, um, Weezer is singing that Lost in the Woods song. And I actually do remember my friend and I saying, wow, that sounded way better. And we appreciated it more whenever 
it came to the end credits and they were singing the song. So you know what? Maybe you have a point, man. Maybe it was just it, it was the visuals and just the 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 tone of it versus what the mood needed to be. I I think it was those things because yes, I I I, I, rem- I just remembered that during the credits, Weezer sings it and I did appreciate it more. So you have a point. I mean, that's like taking the musical Rent and singing one of the songs about AIDS and doing it with like babies. Like you can't take, no matter what the, the material is actually about, you cannot take it seriously when the music doesn't line or when the visuals don't line up with it in that way. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter how fucking serious you're wanting that song to be or emotional and all this other stuff, the lyrics are and all this other stuff. You get fucking reindeer singing. I mean, seriously, they, like their mouths moved to the words. Like, I can't stress this enough. It wasn't like he just looked at Sven and heard the Sven voice. No, Sven's mouth fucking moved. And then multiple reindeer's mouths moved and they harmonized. Fucking reindeers harmonized in that fucking scene. You know what? I think we need to just tell Hollywood that anytime you have deer doing bullshit, it just doesn't work in a movie. I think like, we were they to trying to be Bambi? <laughs> like, I, what the fuck was that? Like, because what is what is that scary movie with the mad deer? And we just couldn't get off the deer. What? 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 what oh, what, Ring what Two. Scary movie? Yes, that bullshit. Where all the deer were just they just had them in there, just tons of deer doing bullshit and looking and trying to look scary and stuff. Just stop with the deer, Hollywood. It just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like dude, i get it everybody's trying to be the next bambi i get it but the reason why bambi works is because a deer gets shot in it so let's leave it be with that okay yes, ring two <laughs> we we went off on ring two for months because you can't talk about ring two without talking about how there is just a a barrage of deer on god <laughs> mode they tear apart a fucking like toyota camry without getting a single fucking scratch <laughs> i mean I know there's a lot of flack that we don't make cars like we used to. And it's like they used to be tanks and now they're not. There's a lot of science behind why cars aren't tanks anymore. Like they're meant to crumple. It actually saves lives. We won't get into that. But regardless of that, a deer isn't going to destroy one without completely not getting a scratch. I have been in a car that has hit a deer whilst driving. And it's a big ass fucking suburban. Yes, that fucking car took damage. It did. That car was royally fucked because the radiator was just fucked on it. But you know what else was fucked? The deer, because it was dead. (laughs) And there were bits of deer in the front of that car. Like, that's what happens. Okay. I understand this is a drastically smaller car. But you're telling me not a scratch? Not a single scratch. (laughs) Not one. Not one blemish. Not a blemish. If at least one of those bucks had had like the Bruce Willis cut, you know, that cut that Bruce Willis has at the end of every one of his movies. Just one of those deers should have had that. That like single scratch. That's got the little bit of blood coming from it. One of those yeah. deer should have had it at that point. Yeah. At least something like that. Yeah. But I mean, something. not a blemish, not a blemish, a sore, uh, nothing. An ingrown hair, nothing, not a blemish. The deer yeah. looked perfect. That deer woke up the next morning and didn't even make a joke about getting hit by a car the day before because he was fine. He woke up the next day going, man, I'm glad it's a Wednesday. Hump day, are you right? (laughs) Like, that's it. 
that deer went home to his little deer family and his little deer wife was putting food on the table. And she was like, hey, honey, how was your day? What happened? He did not even mention hitting a car (laughs) because nobody would have even believed it because he didn't even look like it. You know, he would have been like, oh, yeah, I hit a car today, honey. And she'd have been like, you look fine, though. Don't give me that shit. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, I'm so glad that we got to put that in there because something needed to be said about those damn ring two deer. I'm glad we got this platform. And And then these deers fucking sang. Like, I don't know how much I've mentioned that yet, but in case it's unclear, musical lyrics came out of the mouths of those deer. Fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> is, what, is there anything else you did not like about this one? Uh, No. I mean, really, that was my biggest complaint was just uh, was really just that. I mean, the, that was the only song where I just was iffy about it. I was iffy about its placement and mood and tone. And we talked about it. I mean, enough, but that was just the main thing. And then you already took the biggest one, which was just the fifth element shit. Um, being Elsa, though, she's ice and huh? Yeah, I, that was a head scratcher for me too and you just knew it was her so you just wished it was something else and even though the Anna thing I think they stuck the landing with the Anna and the bridge analogy like we talked about but not quite because you still had that sting of the whole fifth element shit that like and like we've said a hundred times you just didn't need it so yeah those are my only real two man I mean other than that I really enjoyed this film oh no I thought it was fucking fantastic I was so happy that it was like watching this in the Mr. Rogers movie, like back to back, is probably one of the best days I've had a fucking theater in a long ass time. I totally agree. Totally like, agree. Like, I feel like I got two actually good movies back to back. And I'm like, when the fuck has that happened to me in a long ass time? I mean, I'm either seeing three movies and two of them may be good, but one of them definitely sucks. Or I'm watching two movies and one of them definitely sucks and the other one's good. Like, I rarely ever get. Two movies, same day, just fucking nail it. And I know I'm spoiling a little bit for, you know, the Mr. Rogers episode that we're going to do and all this other stuff. But I mean, let's be real. If you saw the movie, you understand what I'm saying. It's a fucking great movie. So it's not really a spoiler. I mean, I could be wrong. Justin could be sitting there thinking, wow, I fucking hated it. So Sterling's going to be really surprised when we record that one. But I'm at least going to say for me. When I watched those, I was like, oh, this was a fucking fantastic day at the movies. Like, this is why I love going to the movies or days like this where I just get to sit down and I get to watch the movies. And at the end of the day, when I'm heading home, I just feel fucking great. And that's exactly what that day was with those two movies. And it started with this. It started with Frozen. And this was at 915 at the morning. I'm watching this movie at 915 in the fucking morning. And there's kids everywhere. Damn. And I get it. But Disney, can you make an animated film for just adults? Like, fuck off with these kid things. Like, come on. I mean, I've got no problem with it. I just, I don't want fucking kids in my movie theater. Am I asking too much? (laughs) Like, just don't put kids in my movie theater. It's it's nothing against kids. I'm sure whoever's kids are listening, or I hope your kids aren't listening to this. I say fuck way too much for your kids to listen to this. But anybody out there with kids, I'm sure your kid's great. I'm sure they are. But movie theater kids, they, they don't fucking shut up. Drives me nuts. I get it, but fuck, these kids never shut up. And it ruins my experience of an fun for all ages family movie. So think about the single guy who has no kids next time you bring your kids to the movie theater. I'm joking. Please don't get mad at me for that. I know my opinion does not care when it comes to kids' movies. 
and whether or not your kids come. I know this. <laughs> Please don't yell at me for this. <laughs> I get it. I know. I'm just saying it's distracting. Maybe I should put the onus onto movie theaters. Maybe movie theaters need to have like a dedicated showing once a day where it's just for an adult that wants to go watch a kid's movie with other being kids in it. Would that work? Like a reverse rated R? Just like one showing? <laughs> I mean, I guess the 10 o'clock at night showing should be safe. It should be. But you never know. It's a holiday weekend. Some people might be taking their kids to the movies at 10. Who even knows these days? Man. I mean, I don't. It's funny that you say that because nowadays it seems like no movie is safe from children. Like, I'm seeing families in movies and I'm like, really? Like, all the kids? For this one? <laughs> you brought them to this one? I don't remember. <laughs> I do not remember what movie it was. But I walked into a fucking movie theater and I know it was a solid rated R movie. And I'm walking into it and there is like a row of fucking eight-year-olds in there. Like with their family and shit. And I'm all for eight-year-olds watching rated R movies. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. Because I sure as fuck did when I was eight. But a whole row of them? Like, jeez, people. And it, it's hard to get away with at my movie theater because they're all assigned seats. So the likelihood of them just being in a row that nobody was assigned in and they just snuck in, that's how it would be difficult. You yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they were in an entire row. But I'm like, there were just so many young kids. And I'm like, oh, I am fucking surprised. I don't remember what movie it was, and I wish I did. I wonder if you're talking about Good Boys, because that was one that stood out to me. Ooh, it might have been Good Boys. You might there be right was hell of families when I went to see Good Boys, and there were a bunch of little kids, and I was like, this is raunchy as hell. Like, I'm just, I mean, I know it's about kids, but the kids in the film are oblivious, but I just was shocked at all the kids I saw in it and with families. It was crazy. Crazy. You might you might be right on that. It might be good boys. Like I I was really kind of wondering like when I was in there and like you see the parents and like when the movie starts off and they're like all vulgar as fuck like cuz you know there are parents out there that it could have all the warnings in the world about what it actually is. They're still not paying attention and they just see a movie about some boys getting into some shenanigans and they're like, "Oh yeah, let's all go see it as a family." Not paying attention to what it is. You know there are those people out there. And maybe that's what they did. And I was just kind of hoping that maybe like in the middle, like when it first starts and it's all vulgar as fuck, the, like the one mother just goes into straight, like middle-aged white woman anger. of just <laughs> sitting there like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> I need to speak to a manager. But even though it's her own fucking fault that she took her kids to see that movie. But I didn't see that. I didn't see anybody get up. So eh, who knows? Who fucking knows? We are way the fuck off track though with Frozen. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's your recommendation and score for Frozen 2, Justin? Well, do I recommend this? Yes, of course, go see this. Um, especially if you were a fan of the first film, man. The first film was uh, was groundbreaking in a lot of ways. It was very good. It had this relationship with these two sisters, and it was intriguing. And the music is good in Frozen. It was memorable, and it was very, very uh, poignant for what that film was trying to say. And in a lot of ways, this film does the same thing. Yeah, it may not have hit the exact magic of the first movie, but when you're talking about a sequel, and most sequels don't, let's be real, a lot of sequels feel like cash grabs. They feel just really mechanical. And let me just give you the same thing, except, you know, we'll, do, we'll slightly change the situations and songs and give me your money. 
But this didn't feel like that, man. I felt like they really did try to expand this story. I felt like they really did uh, give you a reason to come watch this. And there are some memorable songs and some funny moments with Olaf and Kristoff. And the and like you said, ultimately, the relationship between the, su- the two sisters, it's it. It, it grows, it grows, it gets bigger, it gets better. And who knows? Um, I think it leaves things open for a third movie that I would definitely be interested in seeing. I mean, I would definitely love to see what happens now that we, uh, our two sisters have found their life purpose and now they've got all these different responsibilities. I'd love to see. Uh, now you've got potential for something else now. Uh, you could actually expand this if you wanted to, but this is a g- good, a very, very good sequel film. Uh, you, you might even argue this is one of the best sequels that Disney, as far as the Disney princesses and Disney films, they've ever come up with. So, uh, I, and it, and it deserves that praise. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to recommend it. I am going to give this film. I think it's a solid, solid B plus. So I'm going 87. Yeah, that sounds about right. 87. Um, Queen Elsa's galloping on an ice horse across the beautiful, super ultra realistic looking sea out of 100. Go check this one out, guys. Um, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Justin. I don't think you can say arguably the best Disney princess sequel because it is. Like, let's be real. Like, I know I mentioned that article earlier that was talking about how, oh, that's the downfall of this movie and all this other bullshit. None of the other Disney princess sequels have been anything near this fucking movie. You're right, aren't you? Like, there's there's a reason why those go straight to fucking DVD. Because they're not as good at all. Like, I'm comparing them just to this movie. This movie, they did a damn good job of justifying why the fuck this one goes to theaters. Because this was a theatrical fucking movie. This was not a straight-to-DVD movie. Now, I will say that if this movie had gone straight-to-DVD, even though that's not really a thing anymore, but just, you know, straight-to-online or something like that, or I'd almost argue that it would be the best straight-to-video fucking movie ever. Like, holy fuck. Because in no way, shape, or form is this a movie on a level that is straight-to-video. This is a theatrical release just regular Disney putting out quality shit movie. And while it does have its flaws and everything like that, and like I said, I do disagree with Justin a little bit. I don't think the songs are as memorable, but I don't hold that against this movie because I think within the context of the movie, the songs work. Except there are fucking deer singing. I just cannot stress that enough. There are fucking deer singing in this movie. But other than it's still, it's a fantastic fucking movie from beginning to end. I think all the characters, they just, they hit home with them and they're all fucking great. This is just an awesome continuation of the original story. I think it's, I think it's, it reaches the same amount of, of magical, but it does it in a different way. And I really appreciated that they took the time and effort to craft something that could do that. Um, I'm right there around uh, Jastin with my score. Um, I'm going to give this 85 Seriously, there are deers fucking singing in this song or in this movie uh, out of a hundred. <laughs> but it's it's a solid fucking movie. It's you know it's it's not going to hit to the levels that Frozen hit for me just because out of how out of nowhere Frozen was for me. 
like I was late to the game to watch Frozen. I didn't watch it in the theaters. I ended up watching it when it was on iTunes before it came out on Blu-ray and shit like that. But that was so special with how that was. Mm-hmm. And just by default of this one being a sequel to it, it can't have that that sense of 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 specialness exactly the same. But I I and that's why this movie isn't quite as good, but I don't think this movie's really hurt that much by it. Just like a couple points. Like I would give like Frozen a 9091. So this one's right up there with it. Yeah. And I don't I don't hold it a knock against this movie. It's just what you're you're going to feel just watching it. But it's still it's just it's every bit as good for the most part. I mean, you just it it needs to be seen. I mean, if you're a parent, I'm sure you've seen it in the theaters already because your kids would not let you exist if you hadn't taken them to see Frozen yet. And I think I think it's good. I I really do. I think that everybody that watches this, even if they're a little kid that won't shut up in a movie theater, they're still going to get something out of this. I just don't see how anybody can watch this movie and not get something out of it in in a positive way. It's just a really really fucking good movie. Anything else, Justin? Oh, um, that's it for me. The last thing I'll say is I'm thinking about a lot of the Disney sequels, and you know what? This might, like you said, I mean, definitely out of the Disney princesses, this is the best one. But man, even when you think about some of the men ones, man, is this better than Aladdin? What was the Return of Jafar? Yeah, it's better than that. Is well, it those, than- those went to straight. Those went straight to mo- those went straight to video. Too. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But I'm just saying, like, even just se- quality of the sequels, like. Is it better than Return of Jafar? Yes, it is. Is it better than that Lion King two and a half, 23rds? Yes, it's better than that. Or the. Oh, the, fuck that. They put the, fractions no. in a fucking movie <laughs> title. What is wrong is with it that? better than the, the second one, the super son of the Lion King? Yeah, it's better than that. So, yeah, th- th- this is this might be their best sequel they've ever done. I mean, to me, it's right up there pretty much with when you're looking at Disney sequels. And you're looking at quality, quality fucking sequels. You end up getting into Pixar. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. Now they have some good ones. Incredibles 2 was fucking good. So, yeah. Yeah, but Incredibles 2 wasn't as good as this. Mm, we'll and I think back to that. Mm, that's close. No, that's I'll, close I'll, I'll in my this. mind. That's close. They're close. They're very close. No, it can be close. But what hurts Incredibles 2 is how long do we have to fucking wait for yeah, that? Yeah, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and that's my knock against that. It's not necessarily a knock against the movie. It's just, you gave me fucking two extra, you, you, in the amount of time between Incredibles and Incredibles 2, you gave me two car sequels and a spinoff. <laughs> True. Fuck off. Like, Disney was at least smart with this, because I know they kind of give Pixar free reign. Like, Pixar makes whatever movie they want when they're ready to make it. I get that. Disney's smart enough to go, hey, we've got a good idea for the sequel, Let's do it right the fuck now. Let's not wait 97.3 years to fucking do it. (laughs) Because I really do put this up there in terms of matching quality and tone and everything like that, but still furthering the same aspects of the same story. This is right up there with the Toy Story sequels for me. I mean, is it as technically proficient as the Pixar movies? No, it's not. Those Pixar movies, every time they release a sequel... It looks better than the last one. I'll even say that, at least for the Cars movies. The Cars movies, at least the one thing they did every time they did a sequel is they made it look better. I mean, it was always a dumpster fire as far as quality of a movie because fuck those movies all suck balls. But 
at least they looked better every time. And and this one, it, it, it doesn't. It just kind of further along. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because, like I said, I think it's just the way they're doing their animation styles for stuff, and that's fine for these Disney animated features like this. But, I mean, that's really the only knock against it, against, like, hitting up against those good quality Pixar sequels to me, is the fact that, like, technically it doesn't reach the levels they do. And I know it's not meant to, and it's just it doesn't get there because Pixar can make you stop and say, wow, with their visuals. And that's always, you know, you have to put that into account that they can still do that. Um, but yeah, it, like I said, that's why it's kind of up there with that for me. But as far as Disney animated movies go, this I don't think I know of a single sequel that is anywhere near the fucking quality of this. Yeah. I think you 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 nailed it though when you said that about the Pixar. Like I think that is fair to say this is right up there with some of Pixar's best sequels, which are among Disney's best sequels. So yeah, this does belong in that same company. Like you can argue which one's the best and all that. We can we can we can movie match up that for another time. But yeah, it's in the same company as those. I I will agree with you on that. It's in the same company. There we go. On that note. Thank you guys for listening to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com. If you go to our website, look up in the top right-hand corner and click the merch button and get some awesome, fun little merch. I'm wearing the soft tee right now. It's fucking delightful. It feels like I'm wearing butter on my skin, which sounds a little bit gross, but it's in the good way. The butter's on your skin. Um, I know Justin just got one of the hoodies. I've got a hoodie too. I know that those are comfortable. They're nice, comfortable hoodies. Um, So check that out. We have anything from coffee mugs to hoodies to stickers and all that other stuff. So definitely check that out. Uh, We are doing the uh, Southside Podfest. I think around the time this episode uh, debuts will be around the time we are fucking recording that. So we are super excited about that. I'm not going to say check it out because it'll be a little too late to check it out at this point. But just expect that episode to be coming your way. Because uh, we will be releasing that. We are also doing an episode for Knives Out that we are all recording together for the first time in the history of Cinema Slayer. So we are really also excited about that. Uh, check that out. Like, I, I know I've mentioned the Mr. Rogers episode. Let's check that out because that's going to be coming around the same time as this. I don't know if this is going to be the bonus for that. Or maybe that will be the bonus for this. Who knows? We haven't decided that. So that's why it's up in the air. But both of those episodes will come out in the same week. So check those out. Um, hit us up at Cinema Slayer's uh podcast at gmail.com uh hit, up, hit us up on facebook which is cinema slayers podcast check us out on twitter and instagram at cinema underscore slayers and other than that is that how i always say that i don't remember i'm really spacing on my own outro and it's my own outro with this it's a crazy weekend um so just remember according to Justin, moon knight is a best picture winner let it go let it go I wish you were wearing a blonde wig and I could see the hair toss on that scene. That's all I wanted.